And now, Jabroni Studios, in association with Big Herm Productions, is proud to present to you, recording from an undisclosed location in Oakdale, Connecticut, it's Chris Burns, it's Chris Lynch, this is Dysfunction Junction. Welcome everybody to Dysfunction Junction, the podcast that loves you almost as much as you love us, but not really. My name is Chris Burns, to my immediate left... Christopher Lynch. And to my immediate right, the man with no fizz in his gin and tonic. He is the man who has the music biz. It's Big Herm, Michael Herman. Hey, hey, what's up? How was everybody doing? Doing all right, doing all right. Had a good day. You had an interesting day, and so did I. We'll talk about that a little more later on. But first, he doesn't know I'm going to tell you this, but let's all give a round of applause to my man, Big Herm, Mike Herman. And his beautiful wife, Jennifer, on celebrating their anniversary this week. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Surprised you made it this long. Thank you. Seven years. Seven years is good. You don't, you're not getting the itch, though. Let's not do that. Not yet. No, you got, you got, you got a really good woman, man. Go I do. I do. And happy anniversary. Thank and, you. Man, seven years. And you guys have known each other, Christ, as long as I've known both of you. 30, 30 years, yeah. Yeah. Since junior high. Good deal. Good deal. Just wanted to throw that out there. Special. Happy Thank anniversary. You. Thank you very much. And this close to Christmas, which is always a good thing because now you're on double duty. You got to get the got to get the flowers. Then in a week, you got to get the jewelry. Yeah. And, and three days after Christmas is her birthday. Boy, you are triple fucked, yeah, just, aren't you? Just fuck me right over, boy. Oh. So, so I, I, from now on, I'm just buying one fucking gift. No, do not do a combo gift as yeah, a December yeah, yeah, baby. Next fuck year, you. it's just going to be a car and fuck you. Okay, uh, a car it. is Done. fine. Just, but you don't hand her a sweater and go, "This is your birthday, anniversary, and Christmas." No, no, you buy her a three-piece outfit and then give her like one piece, at one a time? piece at a time. Three holidays. Done. What am I going to do with this blazer? You'll find out in four days. You'll Shut know, up. You'll know at Christmas. <laughs> um. <laughs> You'll figure it out very quickly. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah, yeah. It's, a, or it's, a, it's a slow ensemble. It's... So I got a dumb question for Lynch, and it's quick hit number one for me. Did you ever, with me and the guys, play the photo game with turds? No. Okay. Quick hit number one, I do not like automatic flush toilets. Absolutely not. I'm in Big Y yesterday, Sunday, as we're recording this. We record on Monday. It drops on Wednesday. And, you know... The show or your poop? <laughs> Both. Okay. Yes. Well, wait till I tell the story. And in the middle of Big Y, it's time. You got to slide a Biden. So cleanest bathrooms in the grocery industry belong to Big Y. I had to use their facilities this evening. <clears throat> there you go. So I'm in there, and I know this is going to be epic. It, 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 it just, you know when you're going to have an epic turd. You know. And, you know, you, you finish up with cleaning your business and whatnot, and, you know, your gimmick is wiped, and now you get up. And I turn, and for a half second, I looked at this glorious monster, and I said, I've got to get a picture of this and send it to our friend Jim. He was part of that game. I reach in. I go to get the phone. The phone is not out of my pocket. Whoosh. Gone. This, if this thing wasn't 18 inches long, I'm not wearing blue jeans today. <laughs> this two, was two epic. Breaking up pieces. <laughs> this was fantastic. You'll start carrying a hammer with you. <laughs> oh. But I could not snap a photo of this fucking beautiful monster. <coughs> oh, you were going to get the first picture. You guys would get the first one, then uh, Jeremy Loisel, and then a couple of select others. Jim Wallamere would definitely have been on that list, but <laughs> you don't get to admire your handiwork. There's just sometimes you know you've taken an epic turd, and you want to just admire it for a few seconds. 
Or conversely, you're on the toilet. You think you're dropping like an oil can. And right? it turns out to be a chunk about <laughs> the size of a dime. It's like a bottle cap. <laughs> yeah. Do you, you guys know that there's there's an actual study in regard, and I can't quote it. I've watched a show and they quoted the study and used it. There's an actual study that was done, and there's a correlation between um, how 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 so some what is it? There's a correlation between people who have to look at their poop after they've pooped, and some sort of like you could be a serial killer thing. <laughs> I'm not going to God, they, they, did, they did the whole study, ran all the all the numbers, and they were like, "Look, I'm you not come admi- up with it." Mm. I'm not in the can admiring every. <laughs> turd that comes out but you know sometimes i have to see this to believe it what do you do when there's a ghost poop like you've been pushing for a half hour and there's nothing in there nope i will sit there until a job's done there is no ghost poop for me no you know something came out of your butt you felt it fall out (laughs) there's stuff on the paper where is it that's it but there's no poop in the The, toilet the the little fucker just slid right down the right shoot fuck but this thing was this thing for the half a half a second to two seconds that i actually saw it it was gorgeous. As gorgeous as a turd could be. There's actually a book, and a friend of mine bought this for me oh, years ago. Oh, look at that. You made me a present. <laughs> <laughs> but we used to play this game where we would send each other those pictures, and if you were lucky on a special night like somebody's anniversary or a birthday party, you never did it when they were at a funeral. That's just bad for business. You don't want to send that. But Jim told this story. I was out. It was one of the first ever dates he was on. No, it was right after he got married. They're on their first married date night. I was just going to say, a first date is would probably be primo. Yes, but they're out there at this at this decent restaurant, and it was in the flip phone infancy. He opens up that phone. He clicks the button. Photo from Chris Burns. Dink. Oh, f- God damn it. <laughs> Fucking Burns. But yeah, uh, I hate auto-flush toilets. And, and another reason is... When these things flush, they act like they're sucking the soul out of the water. It's everything, and it's gone. God forbid you're sitting when it goes off. Oh, Christ, no. And there is splashback. I didn't get any on me, but you can see water coming out. The fuck? I need one of those Smart Sense bidets, though, that my friend Mark has. Those are gorgeous. But Herm has, Herm wants to get one that knows your butt. I want the, I want the new toilet. There's a new toilet out. Oh, boy. I saw it the other day. Um, um, basically, the toilet identifies every member of the family, <clears throat> and it knows who's using the toilet every time somebody sits down. And the way that the toilet does this, yes, ladies and gentlemen, is because your anus, just like your fingerprints, are unique to Every individual on the planet, the toilet actually scans your asshole, takes a scan of it, mm-hmm. and every time somebody sits down, it recognize you, recognizes you by your butt print. Mm-hmm. Now, That's when someone tells you, when someone ever tells you, you're just like every other asshole, actually, I no, know you're not. not. I'm very, very special. And if anybody but tells me that, thing. I'm pointing them in your direction. If that's right. the case, can I now go down to a plastic surgeon and be like, I want my butthole to look like Kim Kardashian's? Why? I'm just saying. I'm just for for point of argument. Okay. Can I go down and be like, I want my butthole to look like Sylvester Stallone. Johnny, like Johnny Benches. There you go. I don't know. 
Just don't pick George Brett. Just do like uh, criminals do and have their fingerprints like burned but, off. And but really, we, why would we, you want to we, burn your own asshole off? You got a criminal ass. This is going in the, the shitter this quickly. Is, this is going south really fucking fast. <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, uh, I am not a fan of automatic flush toilets. There it is, Herm. You got a hit? No, I can't remember what the hell I had. I had one, and I was setting up for the show, and I lost it. Oh fuck! Yeah, I, I did too, but it. It wasn't that memorable. It's probably not worth it. All right. About. Um, As my ask- mother would say, if I can't remember, it was probably a lie. Yep. There you go. <laughs> How many of us worked at McDonald's as a teenager? Yes. For about a hot week. Okay. Not the hardest job ever, no. right? Sunday morning, I go to the local McDonald's. Don't want to say which one because fuck them. I know which one's local to you. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you figured it out already. Yeah. And ordered up my bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit, my two hash browns, my Coke. Went through the drive-thru. First things first, they park me for 20 fucking minutes. How hard is it to make a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit? Not very hard. Total time, four minutes. Yeah, that's about it. Okay. By the time you pay and get to the next window. 20 minutes I go inside. I'm like, uh, is anybody ever going to make this food? Oh, what food is that? And I showed the receipt. And they're like, oh, it's sitting right here. For 20 minutes, oh, I'm going to go make you a new one. Okay. Mike, pop quiz. What goes on a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit from McDonald's? Bacon. Yep. Um, egg. Okay, what kind of egg? Um, a folded egg. Correct. Um, you got the bacon, you got the egg. Um, you can do it. Cheese? Yes. There it is. And a biscuit. And, and oh, and, well, well we're, in, we're assuming the biscuit's there. It goes on the biscuit. Correct. So the biscuit's there. So they bring me, they, they, they remake it, they bring me the bag. I go out to the car. I open it up and get ready to... Take the first bite of this deliciousness, and I have the round you fucking have a, you McMuffin have a, you have a whole egg. gimmick. You have a whole egg, not a folded. I go back inside. I open it up. I'm like, can you tell me what's wrong with this? Just, oh, it's bacon, it's egg, it's cheese. I'm like, I used to work at McDonald's. It's the folded egg. It's the scrambled folded egg. Right. It's- can, can somebody make this correctly? No problem, no problem. I go in back. I make for you now. <laughs> so I hear chastising the kid, right? Kid's probably no more than 19 years old. Why'd you put that egg on there? Oh, we had like three extras. I didn't want to waste them. Yeah, exactly. I need this kid at my restaurant. Why? So I you need can kill this, him? I know. I need him at, at just like mom's because. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because <laughs> that's my restaurant concept. I need this kid. But this, that's not. This guy is my head chef right fair, here. Fair, fair. Okay. So she goes in the back while she's chastising the kid. Kid makes another one. She brings it out. I open it up. Same fucking egg. <clears throat> same fucking egg. I'm like, now I'm, a, now I'm at a half hour. No, just, I, I don't care. Make me a fucking hamburger. It's 11 o'clock already. Been here for 30 fucking minutes. No, no, no. I go back, I make for you. So she goes back, I open it up, and it's the folded egg. Oh. Success. Not yet. Uh-uh. <laughs> oh, boy. Because now I'm checking the motherfucker, and you open the top. Now, the bacon on the bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit they, they is don't. the circular pressed. You know, not. Yeah, the, I was just going to say that not all of them use the round bacon. They don't use round bacon anymore. They do here still. Do they? Yep. Because I I get it. <clears> but instead, all the time. I got these two little Jolly Rancher sized pieces of bacon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nope. Done. I open. I'm. Like, Are you? F-? And now I'm cussing. Are you fucking kidding me? This is what I get. I've been standing here a half fucking hour. No problem. No problem. I go make for you right now. The dude standing waiting for his first Big Mac of the day, judging by his size, 
Well, you didn't need to be rude about it. I'm like, bitch, I've been here a half fucking hour arguing over a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit. They fucked it up four times. Eat shit. I don't know who you're talking to. I didn't ask for your opinion in the first fucking place. Walk away or, you know, choke yourself to death on your Big Mac, you fat fuck. We finally get it right. And she was nice. I ordered two hash browns with every time I get one of these things. She threw an extra hash brown in there. She was very nice. She was patient. Kid in the back looked like he, he'd wanted to be anywhere else but seeing me at the counter. Make, and, him, make him go away. And fuck him. I need a safe space. There is no safe space at McDonald's. Get on the grill and work. Fucking. And, and that's my problem. I don't expect the world when I go to McDonald's, but I expect you to do your fucking job correctly. That's all. You know, I'm not. it's not like I'm going to a steakhouse. I order it, you know, medium, and it comes out charred to fuck. That's different. <clears throat> there you expect super high quality. You don't expect super high quality from McDonald's, but you do expect you get the shit you ordered in the first fucking place. God damn it. So if you work at McDonald's and you're listening to this, find that tall idiot with the holes in his ears and that fucking stupid baseball cap tilted just ever so slightly to the side, his three-day growth of what looks like mange that he calls a beard, and fuck him with a broom handle. Uh, that, that could be why he, the brains are leaking out of those big holes in his ear. Clearly. Now, I know some very intelligent people who got them big-ass gauges in their ear. I don't like it myself, but guess what? I don't have to like it because it's not my fucking ears. Not your body. But this kid, I want to put a fucking padlock in each one of those circles <laughs> and watch his earlobe sink to his fucking ankles, you cocksucker. Wow. All right. I yeah. Know, right? And I was half hot. And that's before the great tire incident of 2021, which, by the way, thank you again, both of you, but thank you again, Big Herm, for all your help today. No problem. Mucho apreciado. Throw yeah. a little shout out toward Mike Martin, who lent us his badass jack. <clears throat> and, uh,. Thanks to the folks at Ritty Tire, who uh, had a good time at my expense looking at that fucking tire. Yep, yep, they did. They it, really it was did. pretty bad. I was. You ever see the jar they have at the tire joints of shit they found in yeah, the tire? Yeah, That's some fun shit. Yeah, you see some interesting stuff. Oh, my God. Herm told a great story how he found a spark plug in his tire. <laughs> a spark plug. How the fuck? A, whole, a whole spark plug. How the fuck does that happen? I don't know. I said the, I said the same thing. Is it like know. a magic trick? Did somebody like... Yeah, twist? Chris Angel put the tire <laughs> in his car. David Blaine snuck down aye, to... Aye, aye. David Blaine <laughs> snuck to Norwich. After David Copperfield brought the Statue of Liberty back, he put the spark plug in Herm's tire. And that's what that was the day Herm's penis grew six inches. Yes. And his heart grew three sizes <laughs> three too big. Three sizes that day. All right. So... want to wish everybody, before we even get started, a very Merry Christmas at the end of this week. And next week, we'll wish you a Happy New Year, too. But for right now, man, I just want to say it's break time. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, Herm's going to give you this week's brainchild because it's his idea. He gave birth. All right, guys, welcome back. So here is the what we're doing tonight, all right? So our topic tonight is your top three movie soundtracks with three examples from each soundtrack of music that that you think depicts the best parts of the soundtrack and, and why those tracks do what they do for you. So at this point, we're going to start off directly to my left, and we're going to start with Mr. Burns. Ah, Jesus. And we're going to start there. So what is your number three Top soundtrack of all time. I'm going to catch a lot of shit for this because people think these soundtracks are hokey. <clears throat> but Rocky Four 
had a fucking fantastic soundtrack. Now, All right. for my criteria, there are enough soundtracks out there where they just throw a bunch of songs together. There's no cohesiveness. It doesn't add anything to the film. So with Rocky, especially Rocky Four, the soundtrack made the movie a little bit better. I mean, you know what you're going to get in a Rocky movie. He's <coughs> yeah. going to fight. He, whether he loses or not, he's going to go through some turmoil. He's, he's going to question himself, and then at the end, he's going to knock the shit out of a big Russian right, guy. So, wait, so he wins? Oh, did I ruin that so, for you? So hey, Paisan, you going to see Rocky? Rocky's going to yeah, win? Great fucking movie. No, he, he does win in the end. He loses his brain function in the next film, but I could easily throw James Brown on this list, but I think that was more show and filler. But my examples are going to be Hearts on Fire, John Cafferty. I don't want to go Eye of the Tiger because it was used in two films. So I'm going to go with, where'd it go? God damn it, Burning Heart by Survivor. In the burning heart, just about to burst. There's a quest for answers and a creature of the past. In the darkest night, rising like a spire. In the burning heart, the unmistakable fire. And easily my fa- one of my favorite soundtracks songs of all time it's it's right up there with uh joan jett not being joan jett you know that story in mm-hmm. major league mm-hmm. but uh robert tepper no easy way out there's no easy way out there's no shortcut home there's no easy way out giving in can't be wrong and each one of them lends something to the film it, it Every scene that these songs are played in, it adds a little flavor. It adds a little, a little extra fold into the fabric of the film. Yep, and I that, can feel and, that. And my criteria, like I, I, I want to go with Goodfellas, but again, that's one with time period pieces. It doesn't add anything to the film. But in in this case, in Rocky, it added something to the film. It was just a little extra sauce on the top of the uh, on the top of the spaghetti. Goodfellas set the tone and the mood of the movie. Yeah, it it represented what they was happening on screen but, but it didn't it, it add didn't any... propel the story it didn't right your three picks here you could listen to the soundtrack and get picked those three um songs out of there and know the story of rocky four. Oh yeah and that's what a good soundtrack I, I, well i feel i feel that that technically the soundtrack to goodfellas does the same thing given the the so, look when layla plays in that movie you know exactly what you're finding the body you all know over exactly town. that montage is what montage is being used they said frankie carboni was so right. frozen you through hear, it took him three days to thaw before they could do the autopsy. right when you hear the piano bit at the end after Ray when Leo, the little kid the little right. kids are coming up to the car where uh the fat guy well no i'm talking when leota is in the middle of wherever the hell he is oh. and the he ordered pasta down the street when you hear oh at the end of the film yeah yes, it was when you, ketchup with egg noodles yes when, yeah. and when you hear the the piano bit from that the, you know exactly in your head where <clears throat> i think that's one thing that goodfellas did well even though it's not on his list that even though the songs were period pieces you know exactly and remember exactly what was happening in, in the movie and where you were in the movie where sure. that's when that's oh that's the scene when they're finding bodies oh that's the scene when they were <clears throat> doing all the code but that's- did it add that 
extra oomph, and I, I don't want to just trumpet my pick and, and poo-poo no, you, no, what no, you're no, saying, no. I don't, but I don't, I don't, it didn't add that extra <clears throat> pop. I don't know if it added the extra pop. I know that it, I, I think it, I think it added a, a sense of connectability to, from the soundtrack, yeah. from the song to the movie. It's yeah, like I'll when I'll they buy. start playing Jump in the Fire and he's being followed. Right, right. I mean, that, that groove, as soon as you right. hear that part of the song. Right, you know. You know, oh, he's, there are helicopters everywhere. You want to see helicopters, Karen? <laughs> <laughs> right. <clears throat> All right, so Lynch, what's your number three, what's your number three soundtrack? Number three soundtrack is Singles. I almost put that on my list. All right. Fantastic. <clears throat> my, uh, I lost my pen. My number one song off of that list is um, Gotta Be Seasons by Chris Cornell. It's a great song. It's a good tribute to like his career. Yeah, it just showed how talented the fucking guy was, and it it, it it's a really sad song in retrospect. Yeah. Um, singles is another one of those soundtracks. As soon as you hear the song, you know where you are in the film, and it re- it reflects the tone and the intent of the movie. I think pretty well. I mean, you're just talking, you know, Matt Dillon in in this fucking 1992 Seattle grunge band. Yeah. You know, touch me, I'm Dick. You know, that <laughs> you, you you feel his struggle to make it a career for him. Mm. Um, again, just a, a great uh, to me mo- it, when it sets mood and tone and helps tell the story. That's what makes a good soundtrack to me. Yeah, that's my personal my personal preference. Um, my number two is the Battle of Evermore by nice. the, by the Lovemongers. Nice. Um, that has got to be hands down the best acoustic version of that song I've ever heard in my life. She sings it beautifully. Um, again, one of my favorite songs to begin with by Zeppelin, but to hear them play it that way, you're like, wow, wow, this is, you know, a no name band who you really didn't know who they were. Until right. You got bought the soundtrack and said, oh shit, it's one of the Wilson sisters. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, just a, just a great song overall. Fantastic pick. Um, Excellent. You got to get into third one now? I'm torn between my third one. That happened to me once. <clears throat> I'm going to go with Wood. Alice in Chains. Alice nice. in Chains. Really, the first time I was exposed to Alice in Chains was through that soundtrack, which made me a fan. And I kept up with the, their career. And I think if out of anything, this shows you just how grunge could be, the potential of grunge. Alice in Chains, whether you love them or hate them, were good musicians. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, Mother Love Bone was another great, great song. Uh, great band on that soundtrack. The uh, Crown of Thorns. Uh, then, of course, you got Soundgarden with Bricks Ritual. I yeah. mean, it was uh, real tough to pick. My three favorite songs out of here, 
I just kind of went like this on the computer and went, I'm picking that one. (laughs) (laughs) But I listened to the soundtrack the other day just to get inspiration. Nice. That's it. Good shit, good shit. All right, very nice. Here we go, Herminator. All right, so we're moving on to me. My number three. Um, I started out with a set of criteria (laughs) where I wanted to do soundtracks that used popular music, but I didn't want to do bands. I didn't want to do like the Doors movie. And I didn't want to do like, this is Spinal Tap. Um, Movies that were centralized around a a band and concerts and the whole thing. So Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park has to come off my list. Uh, uh, No, because it's your list, not mine. Um, But it's a shitty movie. But it's great. uh, It is a shitty movie, but you know, we're not grading movies here. That's a good point. (laughs) All right. So my top three soundtrack is the soundtrack to Straight Outta Compton. Nice, my man. All right. Um, I was very, very, very big on NWA. I was there basically when they started. Yeah. Like when, when before they were anything. We were it playing was, it on the school bus. Yeah, like way, way long ago. Oh, just so you guys um, know, we were teenagers. We weren't like six playing NWA on the school bus. No, no, we were teenagers. We were definitely teenagers. 13, but teenagers. Yeah, oh, <laughs> a lot later than that. All right, so on that soundtrack, my number three choice is No Vaseline by Ice Cube. <laughs> That's a great song. God damn, I'm glad y'all set it off. Used to be hard, now you're just wet and soft. First you was down with the AK. And now I see you on a video with Michelet, looking like straight bozos. I saw it coming, that's why I went solo. And kept on stomping. Well, y'all motherfuckers move straight out of Compton. Living with the whites. The song for me is is in in the soundtrack is when Ice is, is basically figured out that there's a lot of shit going down and it's kind of screwed and he's brought it up and everybody else is like just hold on hold on and ice cube was like nah i'm out of here I, I want i'm 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 doing my own thing so they had uh there, there was a lot of shit going on between uh nwa and jerry and the ice cube thing going to um a new record company this was the first track off of that first record. Was that America's Most Wanted? Uh, yeah, I don't know if it was America's Most Wanted or not, but basically it was a complete diss track that shit all over NWA. Oh, hell yeah. And, it, in, and he did it really well. Yes. Um, my second choice for top, top tracks from this album are Fuck the Police. Yes. Oh, gotta be on there. Fuck the police coming straight from the Young nigga got it bad cause I'm brown And not the other color so police think They have the authority to kill a minority Fuck that shit cause I ain't the one For a punk motherfucker with a badge and a gun to be beaten on And thrown in jail we can go toe to toe in the middle of a cell Fucking with me cause I'm a teenager You can't not make an NWA list and not have fuck the police on Yep. Uh, Fuck the Police actually was, 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 was the song that caused them so much issue they were in trouble with the FBI. Like everybody came down on them, and really, it started because. And we know this from the film, and and all the members of NWA participated in making that film and the whole the whole thing with that. So that incident actually happened from something that ha- from a, a scene that was very similar to what the movie portrayed. They were hanging out outside of a, a nice white. Hollywood neighborhood recording studio and cops pulled up and next thing you know they were getting screwed 
and they were there was all this you know all the shit that was going back down back in the 80s with the cops in LA um yeah so the song was written in the moment and i feel it's probably one of the best songs NWA has ever released i can't i can't disagree with that absolutely um and my my number one pick off that album is the album's title track and it's straight out of Compton right yes Straight out of Compton, crazy motherfucker named Ice Cube. From the gang called niggas with attitudes. When I'm called off, I got a sword off. Squeeze the trigger and body's a hard off. You two boy, if you fuck with me, the police are gonna have to come and get me off your ass. That's how I'm going out. For the punk motherfuckers that's showing out. Niggas start the mumble, they wanna wumble. Makes a man cook them in a pot like gumbo. Going off on the motherfucker like that. Talking about what's actually going down, what they're seeing from the streets. Um, <clears throat> I just thought I thought that was my that, and that's it. That's my top three for my first one. Very good stuff. Very good man. list. Very good. All right, so so Burns, your your number two soundtrack. Uh, not the best movie in the world. If you're men of our age or even slightly younger, you had fun watching this film. And the soundtrack made it that much better. I'm going with the Airheads soundtrack. That's a cute movie. All right. Yeah. All right. It's fun for what yeah. it is. I, I could buy that. And all the songs were great, especially certain rave ups. Like my first choice is going to be the Van Halen cover of I'm the One by Four Non Blondes. We came here to entertain you, leaving here we aggravate you. Just adds a little bit of extra stank when they're in the radio station. It's playing, everybody's bopping around, having a good time. The second choice, it only gets played briefly in the movie, but it had a big part in the soundtrack, was Born to Raise Hell by Ice-T, Motorhead, and Whitfield Crane from Ugly Kid Joe. Going for broke, rock till you choke. It don't matter if you drink or smoke. Speak through the beat, get up on your feet. Sweat like a hound dog. It, just, it, just, it has stank all over it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, and to hear, it was like right after Body Count, so you knew Ice had the metal chops, and he, there he is with the, the god of metal himself, Lemmy, and you throw in the new kid, you know, Whitfield Crane, because Ugly Kid Joe had just broken, so that gave him a little extra bump. Loved it. And you know what? You, you can't like this movie soundtrack <clears throat> without liking The Lone Ranger's Degenerated. And I don't know, I know Adam Sandler certainly didn't play on it. I know Steve Buscemi didn't play on it, but for Brendan Fraser to do that vocal and sound like an actual rock star, 
just a really fun fucking tune. The whole soundtrack is great. I could probably pull three or four more songs out, but sticking to the rules, those are the three I would choose. Very good choices, Chris. All right. Thank you, sir. <clears throat> all right. So my next one <clears throat> is the one up from one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, again, this was another another Sophie's choice of which movie I was going to pick from that this genre. But I have to say, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Nice. All right. Um, you hear that opening track of that soundtrack. You know what's happening. And it, it just it it sets the it sets the tone for the rest of the film. This is going to be some really weird shit going down. And it's <coughs> just like Jaws. It was implied scares. You yeah. didn't see the aliens till the very end of the movie. And that scared the shit out of me in 1977 when I was a kid. But it that's what made me like horror and sci-fi. I like to be... I like to have that tension. Um, if I had to pick what three tracks... I mean, they're, they're, every one of them is a winner. But there are certain ones that happen throughout the movie that give you a ex- perfect example of where they are in the film. Again, the number one track being the first. So main title, and they call it Mountain Visions. Climbing Devil's Tower. Dreyfus and Melinda Dillon and that guy Gary or Larry, whatever the fuck his name is, gets knocked out by nerve gas. You hear that song, you know what's happening mm-hmm. in, in the movie. Um, in the conversation. ship finally lands they play the pipe tones and you just know you you know if you've ever seen that movie you know what's happening yeah and it it kind of tells a story they also use pieces of um when you wish upon a star throughout the entire movie and at the end credit scenes with the, the final sc- scrolling titles john williams threw that little motif in there and it brought it all the way back to the beginning of the movie and they were playing when you wish upon a star jiminy cricket and Richard Dreyfus mentions Jiminy Cricket early on in the film. That's it. Very cool. Yeah. All right. All right, Haas. All right. So my number two top three soundtracks is number two is Purple Rain. I knew that was coming. And strangely enough, I had it. it, 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 it 
my number one switched three times, and Purple Rain was going to be one of them. That was one of my alternate, of course, because you know I like Prince. Mm-hmm. Sign of the Times right there. All right, so um, my, my first track, my number three on the Purple Rain soundtrack is Let's Go Crazy. Now, up until the time when this album was released, there hadn't been an album that had allowed Prince to focus or to display and put on a show as far as his 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 ability to play guitar. All right. There'd been a lot of poppy shit going on, but he hadn't really been had a chance to show his instrument ability um this was the first track that he did that actually showcased his ability to wreck a fucking guitar amen um you hear this song and you hear the that run in the beginning and you know exactly who's playing you know exactly what you're gonna get and you know how bad he's gonna shred that thing in the next four minutes and people don't, that didn't ever realize about Prince until much later in his career that he played most of the instruments on his first half handful of albums. Yes. He yes, played everything. Yes. The drums, piano, guitar, bass. Yes. And even when he was c- coming up with the revolution, he surrounded himself with people of his caliber that could keep up with him. Right. Absolutely. Uh, Wendy and Lisa were both um, amazing percussionists well, and drummers just that, and um, guitar they, players. They wrote probably a third <clears throat> of the songs that are on those first two albums um the the when he, when he when he started to actually come out big um he totally let them write he was a musician yeah and he, was, and he let the the other musicians be musicians with sh- him showcase their talent not yeah. just yeah. not just play this because i'm telling you to right, right. he wasn't going hetfield <laughs> on him no 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 all right so my number two pick for this soundtrack is when doves cry nice All right. Uh, I picked When Doves Cry for a couple of different reasons. <coughs> First of all, um, great song. The the whole, I was at the age, I was a teenager at the time, an adolescent. That whole conflict of, of the, my, you know, about my, his mother, the things he had to deal with with his father. Um, the song just kind of spoke to me. Um, this, uh, especially the line when... Um, <clears throat> the the line about the mother how she was she was she was always right and never wrong 
um, kind of hit with me a lot in at my my personal situation. Also, um, this was Prince's very first top five first song to ever break top five on on a Billboard chart. Yep. This was this song <clears throat> put him into the upper echelon and of being that one of those top five artists. Well, like I like to say, Prince in capital letters. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it basically, when this dropped, huh, he, he became a household name. Oh, yeah. And this was the record that truly allowed that to happen. Also, interesting side note, when he, uh, because he did all the instruments, uh, most of the instrumentation on When Does Cry, he actually, the song was finished and Prince actually didn't like the way the bass track worked in the song and he pulled it out. He literally pulled the entire bass line right out of the song, um, which kind of freaked out his bassist at the time because the bassist was like, so am I fired or what's going on? No, you're Jason and, and, Newstead before it right, was and, cool. And Prince was literally like, no, no, it's not you. I just don't like, the, I don't think, I don't want it in there. It's done. So there's no bass track in that record anywhere, which is kind of interesting because usually the bass line is, um, it's required. Every it, it, It's what sets everything else and everything works to. Your, your bass is usually part of your rhythm section, which keeps the song moving yeah, while everybody time. else does their, does the pretty stuff. Um, so really interesting fact with that. And my number one choice for top pick on the Purple Rain soundtrack is Purple Rain. I never meant to call you when you sorrow. I never meant to call you when you pain. It is eight minutes and 41 seconds of some of the most, I feel that song. Mm -hmm. Let's put it that way. When that song plays, I don't listen to it. You feel it. I feel it for almost nine minutes. Just an amazing song. One of the very few songs that goes over the, the six minute mark that people will play consistently and be like i love it i don't care how long it is right also another thing that uh one of the things that i really liked about the track is uh when prince made the final cut on this um he felt that the song mirrored journeys faithfully Mm. he contacted the man that wrote journeys faithfully jonathan kane Mm -hmm. i saw that on a documentary him a copy of this song and said, listen to it. Is this cool? Does this sound too much like Faithfully? And he came back and he was like, um, no. I wrote that song. I don't see any issues with your song and mine. Um, but, <clears throat> but what John did was the fact that Prince had gone to him and said, look, man. To me, it kind of sounds a little bit like your shit. So <laughs> why don't you listen to it and see if it you think it sounds like your shit? And that's a huge respect factor yes, that and you that was don't the thing, get a lot and anymore. That, he, and that was what John John Kane said is that the fact that he came to me and was like, "Look, I think it's kind of that way. 
What do you think? And depending on what you think, I will scrub everything right. I've done. Before you lawyer up and sue the journey <laughs> right, right, out of me. Right, yeah. <laughs> right, right. And I like and he and, and, and John Kane totally he appreciated that move as a musician. It, it proved what he what he was made of the kind of musician he was and the kind of music that he wanted to put out. And not so, only that, it showed the kind of man Prince was. Yeah. Yeah. He he wanted to give credit where credit was due. If yeah, it, if I mean it was he was necessary. He right. was completely stand up and 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 so and, and everybody that you've talked that that I've checked into and researched about dealing with him has said the same thing. He was a musician's musician. Yeah. He was a gentleman musician. Yes. yes. He, like, he gave yes. credit where credit was due and yeah. he would say you know one of my girls wrote the guitar riff for Purple Rain and taught me it. That, right. And that's fact. Mm-hmm. And the other right. fact yeah. about that song... Yeah, that was a Wendy riff. When you hear that on the album, it, it was recorded live. It, yeah, well, that's the thing. Um, uh, you also, um, when we uh, discussed the... Uh, going back to the Let's Go Crazy <coughs> thing, um, I was doing the research <coughs> for this on it, and they actually... Re- that song was actually done in two takes. That's it. Let's Go Crazy was done in two takes. Yeah. He did the guitar. It was done as the entire song and then one take on the guitar solo. They played the song. He crushed the guitar solo. They mastered it. There was no. Let's go back and redo this. Let's go back and redo it. He literally hit it once. Bang. And that was it. Yeah. But the fact that he could shred on Purple Rain is probably my all time favorite Prince songs. And one of my favorite soundtracks, but I knew some one of you guys would probably pick it anyway. <laughs> Came real close to my list. Yeah, again, it'll it, probably it, pop up an honorable mention. It, oh, it, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely, it was on my radar. Yeah, but for the fact that that song was recorded live in front of an audience. Yep, I think it was at First Avenue in Minneapolis. Yes, and for it to sound that good and that quality in two takes. Yeah, that's fucking saying something about him as a, as a musician. The, the best part about that is. A great song doesn't need to be hammered and beaten and layered. And look, <clears throat> as much as I dig Def Leppard, how many layers and how many times do they record and re-record and do this? A great song is a great song. A great song is born organically and through not trying too hard. I think. Yeah, it it, 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 it either you know, a good song is a good song. You either feel it or you don't. And you don't need forty-seven takes. You need like like Herm was saying and like you're saying, one or two takes, maybe a third if you need to clean something up, but. You don't need the the Mutlang forty seven layers. Well, and that just says something to Prince's right. character as well. Is where you don't want me to put this. I'll just scrub the whole fucking thing. Yeah, I'll come up with something different. Yeah, I'll, write, I'll write a whole new song. A good band, a good band, and good musicians <coughs> will put something on a shelf and hold it. Yep, and then re- revisit it later. Right, because it they're not quite vibing with it it. it. it doesn't talk to them the way it should. It's not just right. Yeah, it's, it's just, there's something I, I, quite off with it's it. It's the same thing. I've got probably 30 mixtapes and mixes that are about an hour long that I've got on the computer. <coughs> that I've, They're sessions with me on the DJ <coughs> controller, mixing right. tunes, one to the next, an hour straight nonstop music. Are they all pretty good? Yeah, I'd say they're all about 95%. The problem is, is that mm, every once in a while, I want to clean up that, that last 5%. Right. And the pro and, and you can't because basically what like what I have to do is I have to make it and then listen to it and hear where the mistakes were. Right. Because I have to completely re record it. You can't edit that mix that way, no, you know it, what I mean? It's I basically recorded a live performance. Yeah. So it, you either have to hit it or you're just slightly off. But you, sometimes it's that blemish that makes it all better. 
Well, it makes it real, makes it, yeah, well, it makes yeah, a that, human that, butt. That comes down to, on a side note, not to get off topic, but that comes down to my opinion of Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix was not the most amazing singer. No. He wasn't the most amazing performer on the planet. He wasn't even the most amazing guitar player on the planet. Preach on, I Brother know, Herm. And I know I'm going to probably get a lot of shit from people on this one. At Junction Dysfunction Show at gmail.com. Send, send me some fucking hate mail. I'm down with it, all right? Get on the website, get on the Facebook page, scream at me. Want to hear it. Love it. But here's my backup for that. Jimmy wasn't the most amazingly technical guitar player. What Jimmy had was the ability to, when he fucked up a note and flubbed one, what Jimmy would do was realize what he had done, and he would slide that same flub in time somewhere else a Mm -hmm. couple more times in the song. So what you got was, did Jimmy mess up there? Mm, Jimmy knew it, but, but you because, didn't. But because he slid that same note that he made, and while he was playing, figured out how to recreate it again. Exploit your error. Yeah, right. He exploited his work. error and turned it into that was supposed to be there. Jimmy meant to do that. What Jimmy had was the most amazing ability to ad lib. Yep. Oh, and he played with passion. He ad lib love. He wasn't necessarily. <clears throat> "Quote unquote," a straight muse, technical musician. Jimmy played with his heart, and that came through to his hands. He didn't overthink it; he just felt it. Yep. And <laughs> where Hendrix left off, Prince picked up. Very much so. I, I, Very I, much so. I, I see a huge correlation yeah. between the two because, again, Prince was the same way. If he heard something sonically with the song that was wrong, he may do another. Another take of that one, right? He would section. Che- right, right, right. He would. Uh, I don't like the way that the the key that keyboard section runs. Right? Did you ever, re- did you ever hear the studio story about Prince? I want to say it was around uh, Diamonds and Pearls. They're working these marathon sessions, what have you. He's asleep on the couch. Guy's got the headphones on. He's like, "Well, you know, it's not coming through. Let me let me play it nice and soft, so you know we don't wake him up. Whatever." And they're listening, and they're, he, he's sleeping. They can hear him like. Snoring audibly. Oh, he heard that shit in his yeah. sleep. And he, would, and he would go, erase that. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he would, <laughs> Let he me would... run it back. And they run it back again. I thought I said erase that. I thought I said erase that. And he's like dead asleep, but he's editing the song. Right, like... like From his sleep. His his ears are hearing just enough and registering that. And then he talked about the bathrooms at Yankee Stadium. Yes, he did. He said they were very clean. <laughs> Go back and find that episode, kids. That'll be part of our trivia contest in a year when we, uh, <clears throat> when when everything starts to yeah, level. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yep. what episode was the Yankee Stadium bathroom story? We'll do it. We'll do it but yeah, us. everything you said about Prince is, is spot on, one thousand percent correct. And I agree with that soundtrack. Okay, uh, again, aging ourselves. Nobody from that era or the ten year period afterward could argue that that is a fantastic fucking soundtrack. Even to well, this they, day. No, nobody could argue that it's a shitty soundtrack. Exactly. You, you couldn't mean, say, oh, ta- Purple Rain, that sucks. I mean, you're talking about artists at the time that uh, Morris Day in the Time, Jungle Love. Uh-huh. Um, um, Morris Day in the motherfucking time. Sent, <laughs> the song sent down by, by God, God herself. And given to the one 
The only Morris Day, day in the motherfucking time. I can still do that shuffle. Oh, wee, oh, wee, oh. So you Jump. had Morris Day in the time. It's on you my had, shuffle right now, to be honest. You had um, you had Tevin Campbell, who had just come out as a, a young R&B singer on there when he was young. Um, you had Prince. You had, you had Prince. You had, he had basically five top five hits off that album. I still want to know why Morris Day named his album Ice Cream Castle. There's got to be a story behind it. There has oh, to I'm be. I'm sure there's a story. But that's the album that Jungle Love came from after yes. the movie. Came after the movie. That's yeah. the one that, right. Jungle Love and everything was on the Prince album. However, it was released as a Morris Day track with him and uh, Jesse. Him yes. and Jesse wrote all the songs on that, another, on that album. Another quick side note about Prince. He gave away so many songs to other artists. Oh, yeah. Like just... One's going to be on the soundtrack I'm about yeah, to mention. And, and not, I like it, but... It very why, similar to... Why don't you give it a try? Like, yeah, like, um, but you know, uh, uh, very similar to uh, Springsteen. Yep. I'm not a huge Springsteen fan. Some of his stuff's kind of, uh, okay. 57 Channels is yes. still one of the greatest songs ever written. I'm not saying it's Bass not. and drum. You know what? And I personally like his version of Pink Cadillac versus... Yes! Versus oh, so do I. the other one. All right? Um, but... But Springsteen was that way too. He wrote a lot of songs, and I mean, like he wrote a lot uh-huh. of fucking songs. Like he's written, there's more songs sitting on a shelf than he could ever hope to possibly have. He's ever the released. Jersey version of Eddie Van Halen, pretty much. Yeah, like and- he's got more music for anybody that wants it, and he <clears throat> is very and and Springsteen's very big on like, oh, I got a song that I think you should sing. Mm-hmm. That's how the Patty Labelle, uh, whoever did the the Pink Cadillac thing. Uh, was it? Yeah, it was Patty LaBelle. Patty LaBelle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's how that. He was like, I would totally love to hear you sing this. Put your spin on it. Put right. It. Give it the R and B solely yeah. thing and run with it. So, uh, again, like just uh, <clears throat> same as Prince. It's, you guys it's, it's are wrong. Amazing. What? Pink Cadillac was done twice after Springsteen wrote it. One was Natalie Cole. The other was, was Aretha Franklin. Na- oh, uh, Aretha. Natalie, thank you. Yeah. Aretha. Okay, I got my talented. Well, you said we were Female. wrong. I'm like, wrong. They're I, bo- know, they're, they're I bo- know Bruce Springsteen wrote that shit. They're what? both well done. They're both <laughs> Fuck well you. Done. <laughs> but uh, one more thing is that Prince wrote a lot of hits for other bands that mm-hmm. you didn't realize were Prince's songs. Yeah. Manic Monday. I. Yep. Yes. It had influence on songs and tracks you, similar to the way um, Niles Rogers. Yes. Niles Rogers played on every hot funk song that was ever fucking released and went to number one yep. it's just the way it was yep now rod niles rogers is the fucking best fucking funk guitar player on the planet do you know how many people don't know who the fuck niles rogers is a lot they're like no niles rogers wrote that song no that song was done by somebody that person x no <coughs> well I yeah, or or that song is great it's so no it's not it's Niles that brought that guitar line and his expertise and knowledge to that song and made it what it is. And Prince did a lot of that. Nothing compares to you. He put it on, he recorded it. It was buried deep as a B-side on a 45. Right, it, did, right, it didn't even make the B-sides album. Like, right. It was, it was a buried, like a, it was a C-side. Yeah, and he gave it, he gave it to Sinead O'Connor and she made it a... Multicultural hit, and it yeah, and, yeah. It, and it wasn't it wasn't an intricate song, it wasn't difficult, it was a smooth, mellow, just easy a, instrumental, just line, a beautiful song, a little tiny bit of percussion <clears throat> and a voice, and 
he wrote that song knowing that, given the words and what the song says, that's all that's required. And she could feel it. Right. Yeah. And she got it and she felt it and she did. I, I'm, I'm not good with her politics. I, I was going to say, then she said, fuck the Pope. All right. So I'm not good with her politics, <clears throat> but I'm a DJ, bro. If I... A good song's a good song. Right. A good song if, is a good song no matter I, your politics. If I started mm-hmm. cutting out songs that I won't play because of the politics or personal feelings... Phil Spector would never be played again. Not Phil Spector. <laughs> I couldn't play Jerry Lee Lewis. Yeah. I couldn't play... Chuck Berry. Chuck Berry. James Brown. James Brown. I couldn't play... Um, Rage Against uh, the Machine. I couldn't play Super Freak. Uh, you not, shouldn't ever play Drake for any reason, or Chris Brown. That's, or, that's true. That's true. Some some early Chris Brown is all right, but not that later shit. Chris Brown in general It's all right. All right, but like, yeah, like you can't, you, you just can't, can't do that. Right. So before Burns moves on to his list, oh, I get to move on. Eventually, eventually, um, I just want to little challenge for the audience. Google what Prince songs, what songs Prince wrote that he gave away to other. Good, good challenge, good challenge. Send your answers to junctiondysfunctionshow at gmail.com and we'll pick a winner. See, We'll see uh, who gets the big prize of a mention. Honorable mention. We ain't got shit to give away yet, but we will eventually. Are you going to die? I might. Please don't die. Not yet, <laughs> not anyway. In my, not in my house. <laughs> well, you got lime? No, I don't have any oh, bags of lime. Fuck, don't die in his house. Die in my car. You just push out the side. Mafia style. All right, guess we're going to go to my number one. We're going to go to number one. It is the most eclectic soundtrack I've ever heard, but the songs made sense in the movie. I, I struggled with this. This one out over two other soundtracks, but the more I thought about it, the more I decided the soundtrack to Less Than Zero had to be number one wow. on my list. Wow. Now, Herm has given me the Google eye. He's like, I don't uh, know. No, no, I want to hear no. what he has to say. I'm, 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 Do you remember we talked I about see, I, we talked about cohesion? I can see the, enti- can see the entire track right. list in my head. Um, all right, I'm waiting to hear this. There are all these genres that get together for this soundtrack, and I'll just read off a partial list. You have Aerosmith, Roy Orbison, Poison, Glenn Danzig, Public Enemy, The Black Flames, Joan Jett, but I didn't touch the three I wanted to use, and they are three polar opposite genres. My first selection, since we just talked about Prince giving away songs, this wasn't one of his, but the band certainly profited from Manic Monday. I'm going with the Bangles revamp of Hazy Shade of Winter. Look around. A fantastic song. Um, obviously, most of the band was very easy on the eyes, but they they tore that song up. It was really for, fucking for, good for being uh, for being a, a a pop band. A pop band, yeah, yes, sir. I, I I can agree with. They that. rocked the shit out of it. I was hoping that that was going to be there somewhere. I know what's on that track, that album. Yep. But that that particular song is. I think it's one of their best songs. Again, it puts another wrinkle not only into their career that they can, you know, rock out like that, but Right, right, right. It is. It's one of their best songs. And they didn't even write. It wasn't super middle of the roadie and 
cotton candy pop. It, it wasn't walk like an Egyptian, bro. That, no. You know where I mean? Yeah. It was good shit. And they just, they, they took they took that song, they owned it. Yep. They it said, was, all right, it wasn't we're going to do this. It wasn't Manic Monday. It was harder and edgier, and I, I, I can totally get behind that. Since we're talking about harder and edgier, um, hated this song as a kid. My mom had the original album with this song on it. Not only did I love this version of the song, it was my first introduction to Slayer. And their remake of Inagata Devita. powerful it comes kicks you right in the ass it it stays true to the original formula however they put the slayer stank on it and again it just it added to the scene i haven't seen that movie in 20 years i couldn't tell you what scene it was but it it just again you have a a a song by iron butterfly which was all you know moody lsd type stuff and slayer says fuck it we're gonna make it a slayer song and they it, and they killed it. They owned it. <laughs> I think that's a great choice, Chris, because that's one of the best songs on that album. Uh, not a, all right. Any one of these three could be the number one song on the album, but for me, when I when I listen to this, I still again still on my iTunes shuffle. The songs pop up. The only one I don't listen to is Poison's version of Rock and Roll All Night because don't fuck with the classics. No. But for me, the number one song on this soundtrack is "Going Back to Cali" by LL Cool J. Very good. It's just smooth. I, I, I loved the video. I loved the movie. I got to see LL, I don't know how many years ago it was, and he plays that song live, or his band plays it, he raps, and that, that's his job. I, I'm not going to fault him, but it just, it has feeling. <clears throat> Again, you, you, you know, we talked about it with Prince. We talk about it with a lot of these other soundtracks. It has to have feeling. Going back to Rocky, going back to singles. If, if A good song's a good song, but if, if you feel that song, it makes it that much better. And a guy like LL, who, if all you heard was Milky Cereal and my radio and the fun rappy stuff, and then he does this, then a couple years later, you know, it got me into LL Cool J. And then a couple years later, he did I'm the Type of Guy. I said knock you out. Yeah, good stuff all the way around. But it really, that record introduced me to not only Slayer, but to LL Cool J on a different level than I had heard before with kids in the neighborhood playing that and... Yeah, the early Cool J was more of the like comedy, not comedy rap, but just not t- quite too serious. I'm a young guy. I'm a sing about this. I'm a sing about that. And my because lady and, loves Cool James. Yeah, you know, right. It, it's but I, then he did that one. What was that one fucking song that I hate to this day? His ballad, "I Need Love." Fuck that song. <laughs> I know Herms get. Yep, see, I knew it. I got the Google eye again. Fuck that song. Every everything else LL Cool J ever touched was amazing. I want my tire back. <laughs> <laughs> I am now banned from the show. 
You're I'm a, not canceled. I'm you're, just, a, you're a three-tire driving motherfucker. No, 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 no we're not canceled. Just, I'm, a, I'm a tripod Jetta driving just, motherfucker. Fuck, you better have somebody hang out that passenger's window and hold that tire up, kid. No, I'm going to have that old uh, Fred Flintstone gimmick. Oh, it's Bugs Bunny, where he holds the axle and runs with the car. My man, I heard that shit you said about LL. I'm just taking my tire back. I, I love you and shit. I wake shit, up tomorrow you know. morning, my shit's on jack stands. I'm going to be pissed. All right, I'll leave you Upside down. Note. Oh my, my God. man! You, Upside down. My oh, man, wait. this this is on you. You said what you said. Hey, Deal we all we all can have our opinions. You know this. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm fucking with bitch you. ass bitch. All right, rounding it off before we hit honorable mentions is the one and only. Lynch. All right, so here's another. Kiss uh, me, Phantom of the Park. <laughs> no, Star Child. <laughs> no gratitude need be voiced. If Your you, mind speaks to us. Look, if you guys don't know what the hell we're talking about, Google Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park. Don't even Google it. Go straight to your YouTube and watch the fucking it's, movie. It's there. Free. It's watch free domain. Sh- it's yeah. free. Watch it, and you'll see <clears throat> about the just the ludicrousness that we are. I'm gonna. I'm gonna about. tell you before Lynch gets into his thing. If you're gonna watch that movie, please do. I just had two things to say, Hannah Barbera. And now to tell us why Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park is his number one choice, we're going to throw it to Chris Lynch. Uh, you're canceled. I'm canceled <laughs> and banned. This is fucked. No. Um, my last but not least. It's better not suck. Well, it's all all based on, on my personal opinion, your personal opinion, Herm's personal opinion. If I like, wanted your opinion, I'd give it to you. <laughs> yeah, sounds familiar. <laughs> um, another movie from the mid-90s. Didn't do great at the box office. I enjoyed it. it kind of is a reflection of the where I was at that age. Is uh, Reality Bites. Nice. Um, All I, right. All right. I can get behind that. Uh, again, this was. these were the three hardest choices I had to make off this soundtrack. Because there's a lot of stuff on here that I really like and appreciate. Yeah, a couple of my choices are the more, pop, more popular songs. But... It helps tell the story. Um, my first choice is Lisa Loeb and Nine Stories with Stay. You say I only hear what I want to You say I talk so all the time So Never heard of her before. Put her on my radar. She, an amazing musician, great singer, and the placement of that song in the movie is is like genius. It, it's like when Ethan the Hawk's character is going off the fucking rails. He, he's be, portrayed to be a narcissistic asshole, and he's being called out for his his behavior. And it's about midway, a little bit close to midway through the movie where Ethan Hawk's being a fucking prick to everybody, treats people like shit, and then when people give him shit f- for it, they give it back. Mm-hmm. And he realizes that at that that moment in the movie. Man, I fucked up. Good choice. And that's that. It's a female singing the song, but it tells it from his perspective. I I I know what I'd stand to lose if I lose you. So just please stay. Yeah. Um. Another one. Squeeze. Tempted. I bought a toothbrush, some toothpaste, a flannel for my face, pajamas, a hairbrush, new shoes, and a case. I said to my reflection. Love that song. So do I. It's 
and this this movie doesn't end on a on a on an up note um at least to 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 me um this this is a guy who's going through plowing through women like you know Connecticut DOT or through a snowstorm when they're actually out plowing um and it, it makes you think and realize where the fuck was I at twenty some odd years old I did some of the same things I, I was an irresponsible asshole and hurt a lot of people um I think it's indicative of just growing up in that time period you know graduating in the late 80s, early 90s, going through college up until 93, 94. What am I? I think I got all the answers. I think I know everything. And I think I'm doing the right thing when all I'm doing is hurting people behind me. And I didn't give a shit. But and, the difference is you come out on the other side, whereas well, a lot of people to this day don't come out on right, the other and, side. Right, and that's why I appreciate this movie for the story it tells. Um, Tempted by the Fruit of Another. I mean, that lyric right there. Yeah. Is that's like you hear that you just speak those words. You hear the dun 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 in the background. You can play that song in your head just by hearing those couple words. Um, so that's that one. And lastly, is you two all I want is you. Okay. Probably one of my favorite U2 songs of that era. I like the one with flowers in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to pretend I know what you're fucking talking about. Um, we'll again, tell the story off air. Again. Hi, uh, Terry. <laughs> right? Th- this is both characters, the two main leads telling professing that all i do want is you but they can't come to a a, they can't come to a midpoint and just like agree to disagree or figure out what the where the fuck they're going like listen all i want is you if you can't accept me for who i am and i can't accept you for who you are maybe it's just a moot point at this point again i did it every other song on this tells a little bit of the story Mm -hmm. and that's why i had asked you guys pre-production whether we wanted to do original soundtracks or soundtracks called from popular artists because you could do it that would be a little bit cumbersome like the scores is that what you're talking about right Right. so like he's he's talking more about the the ain't nobody picking danny elfman for a fucking thing no, I'm, but, but I'm he saying, did good shit. He did good shit. But I'm telling you, the, the soundtrack to Blade Runner, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Oh, yeah. That score is fucking beautiful. Right. And, and, it, and that's it sets actually, the right, mood. Like, like Blade Runner is a, is, is a soundtrack, technically, on a, as the album, but it's it's a an album of scores. Right. It's literally just instrumentals to set a mood for a shot. It it's, has, a, it's a crime noir right, film. Right. And that saxophone solo that they play in the background when he's nailing her against the wall. You're telling a 1940s, 30s story set in, you know, 2019 or whatever the fuck it was. Yep. It's, I just think it was just a moving soundtrack. But that was one of my honorable mentions. I got it out of the way early. Nice. So those those are my choices. Again, this All right. Is, this was this was Sophie's choice, like trying to pick your favorite child. But I like what I like. No, I got it. All right. So we're down to mine. We're down to my <coughs> top number one soundtrack album of of all time that in my opinion we're gonna go with it's a period piece it's from the 70s we're going with saturday night fever fuck your pick uh no that's great all right <laughs> absolutely um i fucking love the bgs <laughs> saturday night fever not just the bgs though bro saturday night fever was um 1976 77 i don't know what year it was i work a long time on my hair and you hit it yo watch the hair um but 
it's on my Google machine. Give me a second because it's, it's an honorable I watched, mention. For I me. watched an episode on HBO on on the Music Box series. <coughs> <at HBO coughs> yes, yeah. Great show. Um, and uh, the other day, and this the most recent is called Mr. Saturday Night. Now, it, 77, it, just yeah, to clarify. It, I was close. It, it comes out, and basically it's the story and of, of this movie and the guy that put it together and set it all up. Okay, prior to, to this movie happening, what happened with this soundtrack had never happened before. All right. You basically had a guy that had a band who had six songs and he wanted to write a period piece movie to showcase these songs. Prior to this, you'd never had that. Um, this album was the album that made the, the, the box office blowout soundtrack a thing. Okay. Without Saturday Night Fever, you'd have never had Top Gun. The Bodyguard. You'd have never had The Bodyguard. You'd have never had Footloose. Armageddon. All right. All of these <laughs> all of these movies that came out that had these blow away super current relevant artists. It had never happened mm-hmm. before. This movie and this soundtrack was the first time that had ever happened. It's the reason that every other huge soundtrack was able to happen because he did it with this album. Yeah, yeah and it was fantastic. That soundtrack, uh, again, I'm, I've, I've already exposed it. It's my honorable, one of my honorable mentions. I fought with that as number one. But that, it, it, it showcases, like you said, it's a period piece. It, it showcases the best of the best of that era for that particular genre of music. Yeah, and like the guy that was making the movie liked it so much there there's a there's a scene that they do in in the the hbo special um and they're talking about the director that he had at the time and the director was like you know what i i don't want to use the bg's music i don't want to do this and do that the next day this director is called to the head guy that's putting the whole picture and producing it that 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 is is the 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 manager and producing the bg's as well he calls this director in the man walks into the office and says director jones I have good news and I have bad news. The good news is you just won an Academy Award for something, something. The bad news is you're fired. Yeah. He knew what he wanted out of this movie. He knew what it was going to do. He knew what he he wanted to showcase. And if anybody deferred from him, he set you aside. Yeah. Thank you, fuck you, bye. There you go. And Robert Stigwood. Pretty much. Robert Stigwood was the uh, producer. Pretty much. So Records. So my three picks for this movie are Boogie Shoes by Casey and the Sunshine Band. I didn't pull any of the, the, the Bee Gees tunes on this. The fuck? I didn't pull any of the Bee Gees tunes Now you're on getting this. the Google eye well, because no, how do you not put Staying Alive on that fucking list? I see where Mike's going with this because... You, the the whole album ju- was set up for the Bee Gees. So any popularity that the Bee Gees got from this was kind of 
in a fix was kind of a fix. You're banned from the show. That's fine. I'll take that. What I went with was the non Bee Gees. All right. I'm gonna songs. I'm gonna give you a pass since you said there's no Bee Gees on your list. But if you miss the one that should be on that list, I will punch you directly in the dick. You're right. All right. So we we have Boogie Shoes. Mm-hmm. All Boogie right. Shoes. All right. All right. So my that was number three. Number two is Walter Murphy and the Big Apple Band with a fifth oh, of the Beethoven. Beethoven. That's a great All right, fuck. you're moving up. All right, All right, I like this. I like this. All right, this. simply for the fact that you can take Beethoven and make it well, disco. That, that's that. That right there was kind of the whole disco vibe. Yeah, you went to back then. You went to white clubs and Hispanic clubs, and you went to black clubs, and you went to clubs that were kind of denominational and segregated. All right, it wasn't until <clears throat> um and. Again, referring to this HBO show with people back then that were had walked into, and they're walking into a disco club, and it's white people and black people and brown people and gay people and straight people and all kinds of coked up people. Yeah, and all of the different demographics, but they're just vibing to disco, and that's kind of where the whole vibe, the disco thing was. Disco didn't really, and, and, and look, and I'm not saying disco was the be all end all of music. It was one of the first. It's kind of like it's what house music is today. Right. Everybody gets together and just kind of vibes on the on the shit. I disagree because disco music is actually palatable, and house music blows goats for drug money. I <laughs> have it, proof. I, but but I, I understand where you're going. But if you're gonna go with disco music and you're gonna go with house music, there is. I still exa- don't know why uh, they call with, it house music. Um, it's fucking stupid. From house parties, basically. Don't no, let's not no, get into actually, a long I can, diet I, No, I, I can give you the cliff I'm just story guessing. on that. Give me the cliff notes. Um, just, here's I'm, the cliff I'm just notes. Guessing. All right. So it was a style of music that started in Chicago and by a couple of DJs. And it was music that was played late at night. And these DJs back then they would they would rent out huge warehouses and just pack them with fucking underground parties. So People started talking about that music. You know, the music like they played down at the warehouse. Oh, it makes sense. All right. And then it became, and it changed, and it it changed, and it just became house music. That was when the, the, the electronic music was mixed with a separate vocal and combined. And that's where house music comes from. Yeah, that's, li- it, history it lesson here, folks. Yeah, there you go. And it was the music that them dudes used to play down at the warehouse. You know, down on down on Bleecker Street. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yo, <laughs> them, Street, they, they wanted yeah. the music that them guys play at the warehouse at night on yeah. the weekends. Still yeah. hit it. And that's where it came from. Still hit it. I, right. I can appreciate it for what it is. Yeah. Um, so, Good on all right. You. So, here it is. <clears throat> Number one choice for Saturday Night Fever. Fingers crossed. Okay. All right. <gasps> And the funk was flaming. Yes, it was. Because <laughs> Out of control. number three is Disco Inferno <laughs> by the Tramps.
baby bird. Disco Inferno, in my opinion, is the best song on that album. It blows away every other I will, track, I will including buy the Bee Gees, including the other two that I've listed. Disco Inferno is the it track. Yes, on that soundtrack. You do not get punched in the dick today. So See, if you, so if you're hosting a wedding, what's the one song off that soundtrack that's going to be asked for? Oh, that yeah, one. That one. Yeah, that one. Like that 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 actually the the Boogie Shoes <coughs> Boogie and shoes. the Disco Inferno are part of my are on my wedding list because they they were they, on my wedding playlist. They pull, they pull an older crowd no, no, out. gay. In the beginning. Why? <laughs> I'm just fucking around. Casey and the Sunshine Band. <coughs> so let's hear some of you guys Honorable mentions. All right. I had a couple. Again, it goes to cohesion and what it adds to the film. Uh, both Bill and Ted soundtracks have to be mentioned here. Uh, full of great music, whether it's extreme. and You can even throw Winger in there, Kiss, Slaughter, uh, Christ. Just all sorts of great fucking tunes. Amazing shit. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. That's another great soundtrack. was fantastic. More I had day. Saturday Night... <laughs> I had Saturday Night Fever on my list. Um, not so much for the Aerosmith tune, but that Armageddon soundtrack, I did buy it, and I skipped over, don't want to miss a thing. There's a lot of great music on that soundtrack. And of course, even though it has no cohesion, but for the film, my last honorable mention is the soundtrack to Decline of the Western Civilization Part Two: The Metal Years. That's a, oof, yeah. Well, it's a good documentary to begin with. Yes, very good documentary. And it's on Amazon right now for three ninety nine. <coughs> if you want to go buy it. <laughs> no, thanks. I already did. I don't buy shit. Um, my honorable mentions, again, go back to... Uh, Kiss Meets Phantom Apart. No. I'm going to make you motherfuckers watch that movie. Not I've these two. It. They've seen it. I've I'm seen it. I'm talking about you. Oh, you've already forced me to watch that The movie. people. <laughs> I know you had a good time, too. So a couple of mine are, again, they're orchestral, orchestral soundtracks. Mm-hmm. Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Nice. Poltergeist. Ooh. And you see a theme here. Yeah. Who, 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 who is behind these, these pictures Mm -hmm. in Jaws? Yeah. Spielberg. Spielberg. Uh, Jerry Goldsmith did the soundtrack to Poltergeist. Williams did the other two. And. Oh. E.T. almost made my list. Speaking of Spielberg. Wasn't Spielberg involved with... The new West Side Story. Back to the Future? Yes. Great soundtrack right there. Yeah. And, and from 80s to 50s and... and oh, my God. Well, good he, good the call. First, with the, the first movie. The, yes. The first movie. Not the third one. Not the second and the third. No, because they sucks. kind of all borrowed the same soundtrack. No, but the soundtrack, yes, that pulled yeah. from some of the period pieces, but were redone, yes. I can, I can put a... I can list any Spielberg movie soundtrack, 1941, yeah. E.T., Indiana Jones. But the best part of a Spielberg film isn't so much the soundtrack, like the songs like Huey Lewis or whatever. Right. The score of the film it gets is you, fantastic. It gets you involved. Go back uh, just to throw um, the Chris Nolan Batman trilogy. Yeah. Hans Zimmer, that music. He paints a visual. Exactly. He paints an audio picture of what you're looking exactly. at. Uh, Inception is another there you go. fucking tastic soundtrack. Anything Hans ever touches, as far as I'm concerned, oh, absolutely. was gold. Fuck Danny Elfman. Uh, he, he he can oingo his boingo right out the door. Fuck him. The problem with Danny Elfman to me is every soundtrack sounds exactly the same. Bingo. 
All right, we got some honorable mentions over here, Herminator. Uh, a couple of Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. Um, yeah. <laughs> Fuck it, put it on there. Huh? <laughs> you can hear Love Gun 18 times. Or 18 times. Um, I like um, Awesome Mix Volume 1 from Guardians of the Galaxy. Ooh, oh, I nice. think, right, and, and only reason because... Right there in my, okay, in my bin. It, the soundtrack is is indicative of, of the cast. Mm-hmm. Um, the entire story is basically this hodgepodge of crazy fuckers that get together and decide to do something decent and be good. And just this eclectic group of, of criminals that get together. The soundtrack is almost exactly the same. It's a complete eclectic. And, and at no point do they, uh, with the exception of, of come and get your love with Redbone. They n- at no point do they try to hijack any of those tunes and make them like the center point of what's going of what's going on. They're great tunes. It's a completely eclectic album, <clears throat> but the songs, like you said, because of the song and his backstory, they add something. It's not taking that. away from no, the film. It's, it's adding, adding a little extra sauce, right? Just enough to be like. That is the perfect song. Reminds, for reminds this me moment. of my uh, reminds me of my aunt. Ma, need a little more oregano. This does not taste right. Just a bit, just a little bit. Well, then in the that was a that James Brown. He has skin album. like seal. Yeah, not no, just not awesome mix two because they just kind of tried to duplicate. Yeah, number you can't one, do that. Yeah, and they you can't duplicate the magic. The magic worked. Fooled yeah. around and fell fell in love by Elvin Bishop. I mean, come dude, on, that would do that. Yeah. That, that was that was a, one of my that was one of my songs uh, back on the underrated vocalists. With, yeah, with Mick. With, with Mick. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, that's a great song. Um, I want you back. Yeah, Jackson uh, Five. Yeah, all of those songs, uh, but they're so eclectic. Like, I can't. The, there isn't one song. I'm looking through the track list right now. There isn't one song that I can say is a throwaway song or a bad song. Right. You got ain't no mountain how ain't no mountain high enough. Easy for you to say. Ooh, child. Right. You know what I mean. All of these Pina songs. Colada. Are, right. They're all mm-hmm. completely recognizable. Cherry bomb. Right. Yeah. And, but mean, at no just... point does the movie try to hijack the song and make it their own. Nor does the song hijack the scene. Well, and... Right. And the only the only scene that you do that with is when he's in the cave and he's kicking with "Come and Get Your Love." Yeah. It's truly the only song that they hijack for a scene. But really, it's more about him just enjoying his shit in right. the moment. While he's doing his thing, well, it, it, so it hijacks it, but it gives his personality mildly. It, a little bit of his personality. It doesn't completely take it and be like, no. "This is us." No, it's no. We- I know, I know. Some people, not me, because lactose intolerance, but that's the extra cheese that sometimes makes it good. That one extra layer yeah. of cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're uh, or like everything's better, but with a strip of bacon on it. There you it's go. Amazing. I don't give a well, shit. Well, the the really important part to remember <clears throat> about this particular soundtrack to this particular film, mm-hmm. his mother made that for him. Yeah, right. And that, these right. were that songs. Was, right. These were all songs that of her his mom era made of her era right before she died. Yeah, and it. You're how many ever years f- further forward now, and he still got he's those, still holding on to he's this. still got those tapes that she made for him before Absolutely. she died, and he was hijacked Absolutely. by. It's a fantastic. Yeah, pick. well, the, you yeah. know, the, there's an actual the, on the score on the movie score. There's actually a uh, a score track called "Don't Mess with My Walkman." Right, right. <laughs> ba- 
based on the way the character is That's with the Walkman shit, yeah. and the tape. There's That's an actual shit. score called Don't Mess With My Walkman. Wow. Uh, do you have any others? No. Okay, I had one, and I want to, again, oh, by the way, I have an answer to the question from a couple weeks ago. We're going to answer it tonight. We got the answer to the question. The Kuklinski question will be answered tonight. So um, I didn't add it because I need to throw it out to the panel. It wasn't necessarily a movie, but it was a two-part South Park episode, Chef Aid. Loved Chef Aid. I like Chef Aid. I have the album. So do I. It's fucking amazing. Even to go back to the... The original animated film. Yeah. They wrote some good fucking songs. Oh, yeah. It, the musically. But it, Chef Aid, when that record came out, or record, listen to me, when uh, it was a CD by that yourself. point. Yeah, I know. Look at him with the boxes of you're, fucking you're vinyl in a room, over there. You're yeah. in a room full of vinyl. But, <laughs> you know, Chef Aid had some good shit. You, had, you know, <clears throat> Isaac Hayes doing the chocolate salty balls. You had the kids, or oh, the kids, Trey and Matt singing with uh, Wyclef on Bubble Goose. Yep. Which... <laughs> That I like that version better than the actual Bubble Goose. It's a fucking because you have Cartman yelling Mac Ten. Cartman, this isn't Mac Ten. Shut up, guys, Mac Ten. Mac Ten. And they're all singing Bubble Goose, and it's so fucking cool. That whole um, was it. Meatloaf was on there. Just it was a very eclectic bunch, but it all made sense if you watched the two part Chef Aid episode. And it had some great songs, but I left it off because technically. Not, it's a not a movie soundtrack. It's not a movie. That's it. That's right. true. I, I buy that. Yeah. And, you know, The Wonder Years, same thing. There's so many good TV shows that had fantastic soundtracks, but can't be on this list. So the answer to the question. So here's the question. All right. So a few weeks ago, we were talking amongst ourselves, um, and we're all, we're all real crime buffs, uh, as we've stated before. Mm-hmm. And the topic came up was, do you think that, the Iceman, Richard Kuklinski, was a serial killer. Now, some of us have said no, but... Uh, no, well, let's put it this way. I said, said no. I said no. However... I was on the fence. However, when you when you go down the list of serial killer things, he technically does kill all, check all the boxes. But I feel that Kuklinski was more over a mob hitman and more of a kill-for-opportunity... And money or reasons rather than a serial killer. So we proposed the question to a student that brought the question to his um, what's the criminology professor. He's a criminology professor. And I can't use either of their names, right, unfortunately. Just unfortunately we can't we can't disclose who they are. But we had this brought to a, a, a university um, professor and we wanted to know an answer because we were curious, and Chris has got the answer now. Well, as much as I'd like to say I'm right, and as much as I'd like to give Herm praise that he's right, one of us has to lose. That person is me. I was on the fence. I said, like you said, he checks all the boxes. You know, he kills. His MO changes because of whatever the fuck. But Richard Kuklinski in the most technical term, according to this profession of criminology here in Connecticut, is not a serial killer. All right. So you, sir, were correct. Now, did we get any did we happen to get any reasons why? I'm gonna get further into this and I want the kind of reasons why, because we are planning to do it came out wrong when Herm said it for the first time. Let's do a, a podcast of our favorite serial killers. 
oh, that just does not sound yeah, it, right. Yeah, it didn't sound right. And, the and, most, and we change it to we, the most intriguing, it, right? Intriguing, intriguing and notorious. We, we don't want. We don't want. We're not celebrating their crimes. What we'd like to disc- we're, we're we're more interested in the madness that created and the mayhem. That just trying to understand what makes a person tick. Now, in this same dissertation, I was told that the DC snipers fall into the serial killer category. Because I argued that. That I would agree with. Because they were picking random subjects just for entertainment purposes. And and, there was was no money or business gain. But the argument I gave Herm was Kuklinski's first three killings were random. He wasn't getting paid. It was just anger killings. But that doesn't fall into the category. There was there. It was the problem was with different. K- the problem with Kuklinski. I was on the fence about this at first. Anyway, it, I, it's the planning it, phase that exactly. that truly makes the serial killer right. Is and, picking and, the victim because even though the 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 the, the people on the, the the highway killers there that were shooting from the trunk mm-hmm. were picking people quote unquote at random. Right. They were picking. Sp- a random target at specific locations. They went there specifically to kill somebody. They weren't exactly sure who it was. So right. the, there, there, there was, was no, that, no, it was that planning part. Right. And that there was made no, them the no motivation killer. behind it. Other than I'm going to fucking kill some people today. Right. Right. It wasn't going to make them money. They weren't going to get out of <clears throat> owing the bank something. They weren't going to, they're not going to get an insurance policy. Any, they just was, pop somebody was, to pop somebody. Right. There was no yeah. gain for any reason other than just to satisfy the some thrill of the kill. Shit. The thrill of the kill, and right. that, and that's always been my definition of a serial serial killer, is if somebody approaches you and offers you money five times and says, "I want you to kill this person for me," I'm gonna do pay you for for murder. That doesn't make you a serial killer. That makes you an opportunist. But if I go to, or someone were to go to, uh, a Walmart parking lot. BJ's parking lot, any public place, and just pick out five random people, no motivation, no story behind it, no reason behind it, and when they're asked, I did it because I wanted to. It's funny that we started out with Herm saying, a study says people who check out their own turds could be a serial killer. (laughs) And this is what we end on? And we end the episode with, is Richard Kuklinski technically a serial killer? But I do have to tip my hat. I have to say, Herm, you were correct. And Richard Kuklinski, by a criminology professor here in the great state of Connecticut, says absolutely not. I, well, I can't say that that I'm that I'm happy that he's not a serial killer because you no, know no because he, he was he, on my he, list. He, he God is damn it, a, is a bunch. But um, I it I do like the fact that I assessed it and went through the. But you like know you what say, I mean? Like I did the re- yeah. I did the real research and didn't just be like, oh, he killed a bunch of people. Um, I don't like to do that at all. I dig the fact, though, that you did acknowledge. He goes, dude, he checks off every he box. He does. He does. When you go down the list, he checks all until the boxes. Until you throw in, until you kill factor for hire. In, until you factor in, killed for hire. Three, which technically were rage killings, which technically is a purpose. Yep. Not just, be, they were angry at somebody. The dude somebody. with the crossbow was... Just oh god, yeah. yeah, yeah. But that was one. The dude with the crossbow, he killed simply because he wanted. To, he'd never done it, and he wanted yeah, to. Yeah, he wanted it. to see if it was effective. And it literally was. It was a test run. Yeah. So technically, it had a purpose. <laughs> All right, I buy it. But anyway, you know, it, I, I'm not a fan of saying that I'm wrong. But 
I was wrong, and I have to freely admit that. By the way, we are not doing the serial killer episode next week. Next week is the fit. join us next week when what? we have Richard Kuklinski on the show. <laughs> He's been dead for fourteen years. I that's, think that'd be a neat trick. That's the fucking amazing. Part. We're gonna have a medium here. At, ooh, that'd be a great idea. Ooh. Somebody get a medium, and we'll talk to Richard Kuklinski. Why does it have to be a medium? Great. Can't they just can can we get a large? Because or a large we, would not. Can we fit. save some money and just get a There's small? There's only so much room here in the studio. Jesus, we can't have a large. It's Filled with fucking collectibles I've had large. and guitars. She and was shit. not good. There's all this goddamn vinyl around here. <laughs> <laughs> kind of on the same topic. Herman posed a question earlier. Not a question, but hey, did you guys watch the, the staircase on mm-hmm. Netflix? Yeah, I saw that when it first came out. Holy fucking interesting story. Yes. Um, not a lot of physical evidence, though. A lot like, and Herman and I were talking about this earlier because you know when you have to get a new tire, you got some time to kill. <laughs> Um, there's not a lot of physical evidence. It's a lot like Scott Peterson. Scott Peterson was rung up on circumstantial evidence, but eventually all signs point to Scott. In this case, you know, there's not a lot of physical evidence, damning physical evidence right. that convicts this guy. But in the end, hey. So Megan and I were watching last night. No, you weren't. When, when, okay, yeah, you were. Watching television <laughs> last night when I... St- Happened to just turn the TV on, and it was telling the John Bonet Ramsey story. How there's no end to this All right, story. We, we could do no, no. Mu- I get multiple episodes about it's been different- twenty five fucking years. Convict somebody already, or arrest somebody, or they're I, both dead. Actually, right? I, I have I my think the parents did it. Uh, I don't. Oh really? Nope. It was someone in the family. Hmm. All right. All right. But it wasn't the parents. I'll buy it. Right. Because to, to see the emotion and reaction... That Talk the, to me, Sipowitz. Tell me why. To, to see the emotion <laughs> and reaction that the father had to certain pointed questions flash forward 23 years, that man's not lying. He All showed right. he showed actual emotion. Unless he's an Academy Award Unlike winning... Unlike Chris Watt. Yeah. Uh, if he, unless he's an Academy Award winning actor... I don't think his like Jussie Smollett. Yes, fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> fuck him in prison with a chainsaw and Gen- a tuna sub. <laughs> Gently, um, I, I I think it's a uh, he has actual connection to her as a person. He doesn't. He has an emotional connection when he talks about her. There's not that disconnect. Um, mom was a pageant mom, fucked up from. From the shoot, oh, basically. I, I don't agree with that. A fucking basket case. I don't agree with that, do, doing that to a child. Just, again, my personal opinion. Um, I think it leans somewhere else and other outside influences. See, this is why we can't have nice things, huh? It is. It's a but anyway, table. if you happen to see it, it's uh, <laughs> streaming on demand on, I want to say, Investigative Discovery. Okay, I have that. Um, it's on there. Give it a watch. All right, give it a watch, and I think you'll see what I'm talking about with with that with that emotional connection that the father kind of displays when he's talking about her. Get me the name of it; I'll watch it. Yeah, absolutely. I'll find it. But um, this is the part just before we go. Merry Christmas, everybody! Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever it is you have. Yeah, to- absolutely. If you're listening to this, it's Wednesday. It's Thursday. Christmas Eve is like a day away. You're driving to Grandma's house. Listen to this. Christmas is two days away. Um, we hope you like this week's show. Um, I decided to say to hell with it and do a big music drop show. 
It's going to be a lot of work for me, but you know what? This is our Christmas present to all the listeners because you guys really, really seem to enjoy the the music show we did earlier. Amen. So um, it's Christmas, and we're just going to give you guys another one. There you one. go. And please Mom. drop us a line at the email, Facebook. Junction Dysfunction Show at gmail.com. For real, and any media that we that you can leave a comment, please leave comments. Give us your thoughts, opinions, uh, additions to what we picked, whether we're right or wrong, mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Or well, indifferent. we're gonna have that next week because next week we dive into a topic that is still weighing heavy, even after two weeks to flatten the curve: the COVID nineteen fallout and who is lying to us. All right, so that was going to be part of my quick hit. That's why I didn't select it. All right. Wait till next week, guys. Have a great Christmas. Happy New Year. We'll see you next week on Dysfunction Dysfunction Junction. Junction.